Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Hey, we want to uh, honor moms up front. Shout out to all the moms. We love you. Uh, we would not be here without you. Literally, we would not be here without you. And uh, also to my mom, who's at the beach with her mom, shout out to Sweet Ange, um, and, and also to my bride, Brooke, um, who is the mother of my kids. Yeah, y'all, y'all can whistle. It's okay. Um, yeah, but this is a, hey, we took a family picture the other day, and it's like our first family picture literally in three years. So I just wanted to show y'all because I have hard things to say, and I thought it would endear you uh, up front to see a picture of my beautiful family before I say hard things. So um, calm down. It's fine. It's not, it's not, I'm just going to read the Bible to you, but that's, that's my family. So our oldest, if, you, if you're new to our church family, you're like, I didn't know they had that many children. Um, that is a lot of kids, okay? So, so pray for us. Um, but we're excited because we are, as a family, we're getting ready to do something over the next few weeks, which is cool, something we really haven't had a chance to do um, the whole time we've been doing ministry, so for the past 12, 13 years, uh, we're getting, our family's going on a sabbatical, which is really fun. And so like a three-week, we'll, we'll be just be gone. Basically, it's just churchies for, we'll be gone for three weeks. So, but I'm telling you that only to serve you because like week three, people start to question, is that brother, did he quit or did he die or like what happened? So I just, just give you, but what, what we're doing is we're um, inviting friends, like some of the best communicators that I know to come and just serve you like straight up filet while we're gone. Okay. So it's like, if you got friends, family that don't have a church home, invite them the next three weeks. It's going to be so much fun. If you came to dream team, if you're on dream team and you came to dream team night, Jason, who spoke at dream team will be coming next week. And Chris Dew's coming. He's been at our church family before. He has an incredible testimony, real gift of evangelism. And then Dan Leanne, who's, who's been several times, Dan's coming. So uh, y'all, y'all gonna be served really well. Our team's awesome. And thank God for, um, for the principle of the Sabbath and to be able to just lean into that a little bit. One of the most godly things you can do is just take a nap or take a vacation. Okay. Just tell people my pastor said, I like, I gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta take a Sabbath. I gotta take a vacation. So, um, we're excited for that and excited both for our family, but also for you guys, because I have a feeling, I just have an expectation. God's going to move in a really powerful way in our absence because of our trust that he owns it and he runs the show. So um, just a heads up on that. One other thing before we get into the teachers, motion. If you are a mama, uh, register your middle school, high school age kids for motion, okay? It's our summer camp, summer conference. We don't have camp. Uh, this is just a conference. You get waterboarded by the Holy Spirit for like three and a half days. It's awesome. Middle school, high school, and college age. So we have probably, it'll probably be about 20 20 or so, 18 to 25-year-olds, if you're in that flow and you want to go, this conference is built for everybody. You do breakouts in your own age range, and you're like, how can it be a conference built for middle schooler and high schooler and college at the same time? I don't know how they do it, but I'm a 37-year-old dude who just, like, gets fed by, like, I just, I'm in it. I'm, like, it's for me, okay? So it's awesome. We need to know who all's going because we need to know how many buses, how many hotel rooms, how many whatever. So if you register by the end of today, so literally by midnight tonight, you get $50 off the total. You go online, you register. You don't even have to put a deposit down. You can make payments, however you want to do it. We don't care about that. We just want to know who's going, and then we can, um, we can work towards the, the cost of the trip as we get closer to the trip. Let us know you're headed, uh, and let us know you're going. Then 
Um, in June 5th, so a few weeks, we're going to be into a new series over the course of the summer. You can go ahead and do some research or do your reading ahead of time, but we're going to be in the book of Exodus. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be in Soma summer season. It's going, to be, it's going to be great. But today, I love today because I don't have to talk about a specific thing. Uh, so going into, I mean, like we, we map out, I believe the Holy Spirit can like lead you in advance. You can, you can plan and prepare. So we like series content, all that kind of stuff months in advance. But today I didn't have like a, it's no, I am, it's no specific series. There's no thing I had to teach on. And so I just thought I would teach out of the overflow of what God's been doing in my, uh, just in my own heart and things that he's been teaching me, um, for, share with you guys. Okay. So if you're ready for the teacher, you guys ready for the teach? Say yes. If you're ready, anybody ready? Okay. Awesome. Great. So, uh, stewardship has been the focus that he's had me on. And I shared this with staff last week or week before, um, just some things that he's been teaching me about how I steward all the areas of my life, but it's relationships and it's my mo- moments that we get an opportunity to steward. Cause how many of you know, have you ever been in a moment and you just missed it? You just missed the moment. Weren't paying attention to your kids weren't listening to your spouse, didn't hear who was in front of you because you weren't present. That's a, that's a thing I've struggled with. So being present, time, stewarding my time, my calendar, what do I say yes to, what do I say no to, um, my, what God's gifted me with and graced me with, like in terms of resources or space or whatever. And the idea is that I'm supposed to be a conduit. You're supposed to be a conduit, all that God's given us so that we can be a blessing to other people. So it's never about the house house is great, but the house is for the people you invited for dinner. The house is for people that you can have in your home. The house is for your kid. Like, the, you know, whatever it is that he blesses you with, it's not about that in and of itself. That's a means to an end, which is always people. And that's his heart. And so, um, but he asks us, he asks us to trust him with everything that he's given to us. And so I want to talk about our idea of ownership. The title of my message today is mine. It's called mine. And uh, I'm going to read this uh, to you. We're, we'll talk about money today. So, uh, and I can do that because I'm leaving for three weeks. So if it offends you, then, um, then you'll just forget after the course of three weeks. Or, or if it hits hard, I just want to say this. So um, I, I've noticed this in church world where people will avoid certain topics because of um, kind of cultural leanings or because of what, what's happening in broader culture rather than really deliver grace and truth. Jesus comes with the fullness of grace and truth. He's both in. And so um, grace and spades, but also truth. So there's going to be some things, and this is my experience with studying God's word. There's times where I read it, um, where he challenges me. Some areas of my life that I need to grow, some areas of my, this is every time I read God's word too. So just to encourage you, like it's every single time there's more uh, that he wants from me in all areas of life. And that's true for what we're going to talk about today with money. It feels like a weird topic given Mother's Day. But I promise you, it was just, God was like, talk about this. So that's what we're going to do. So the reason why we're doing money is because this is another reason why. 215 verses on faith in the Bible. A lot to say about faith, really important topic. 218 verses on salvation, really important topic. We have life change every single week. Last service, a couple people came to faith in Christ every single week. Someone sees Jesus, gives their lives to him. It's a work. It's his work. Uh, And so he saves people. And 2,058 verses on money. So look at that little, there's a look, I mean, what, what is happening? Five times more verses about money than prayer. Prayer is a really big part of what we do culturally here at Soma, but God has a lot to say about money. Jesus said more about money than heaven and hell combined. And Jesus shared 38 parables in the scripture, 16 of which was about resources, 
money, stewardship is kind of in this lane that we're talking about. And the reason why is because God knows what a struggle it is for us in this area. You and I have idols. Self is number one, right? And, and a lot of times we'll put spouse on a pedestal, kids in a place they probably don't belong, vocation. If I'm being real, ministry, you can hide behind any idol. Ministry has been one that I've like just the success side of things or achievement in that kind of junk. But money is another one. Money's another idol that we all struggle with because the thought is if I have more of it, if I can, if I could just get a little bit more, if I get a little bit more and you get a little bit more, it's like, if I could just get a little bit more. And so that's kind of our mindset. But, um, but really what I want to teach us today is just about being obedient and seeing, seeing God as owner, seeing us as stewards. This is Luke eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus replied, he said, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So Jesus says, hey, listen, it's not enough for you to just intellectually assent to an idea. It's not enough for you to agree on paper. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Cool. Or hear it in or be able to recite a verse of scripture. He's like, do it. (laughs) That's where the blessing is, is when you actually take and put into practice the thing that I've asked you to do. Even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. If you put it into practice, you will be blessed. And so that's what he's teaching us. What, how can I be uh, a, a conduit of God's grace and a conduit of provision and peace. The idea is that I have to, I have to do it. Um, we are from an early age, pretty self-centered people. Uh, I don't know about you. I am. We, we taught our kids early on some things to say. They learned mama. They learned dada. They learned, I don't understand what it is, but ball is always like a thing that kids say really early. At least, at least our kids did ball. That was one of the things. No is always one of the first words. And then like somewhere in there, that two to three range, maybe, maybe one to two, um, you know, siblings take something from them and they say mine, mine, but they say a little bit different. Uh, it just hits a little bit different. Mine is just get, you know, get real aggressive. And, uh, and so that's, that's our posture really from day one. And if we're being real, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. We have the same posture of mind. And what we see in scripture, though, is that you and I actually own nothing. So a great biblical worldview, great theology of like, is like we don't own anything, we steward. And we know this because when we pass, when your life comes to an end, you take none of it with you. House doesn't go with you. Boat doesn't go with you. Whatever you got in the account doesn't go with you. Your kids don't go. None of it goes with you relationships, all that kind of stuff. You, you get to steward it for a season. You get a moment in time and you steward it, but it ultimately none of it belongs to us. So there's three points I have around this idea of stewardship and this idea of ownership. Um, the first is this, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And I'm telling you that because Psalm 89 says, the heavens are yours. The earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created it all. Uh, and then Psalm 50, 10 through 15 is great because this is God speaking to his people. He says, all the animals of the forest are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. And he says this, and he's speaking, um, to the Israelites about sacrifices. And so he says this, he says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. He's like, bro, I don't need you to like cook something up for me. Like we're okay. Like I'm good. And then he goes on. Do I eat the meat of bulls? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Do I drink the blood of goats? No. And then he says this, make thankfulness your sacrifice. Here's what I desire. I desire gratitude. I desire thanksgiving. 
And then he says, and keep the vows you made to the most high God. Then call on me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you and then you will give me glory. So here's what he's saying in this passage. He's saying, make thankfulness your sacrifice. I don't need your goats. I don't need your bulls. Sure, there's a vehicle for it, but ultimately what I'm after is your heart. I'm after gratitude. If you just give out of obligation, if you just give out of reluctance, if you just give out of like some religious rhythms or sacrifices, I, I'm good. I own it all. I want, your sac- I want your thankfulness. I want your gratitude. If you want to impress me, move me, have me pay attention, be grateful for who I am and what I've done. And then he says, keep your vows. Like things you said you were going to do, Things you say, hey, remember, remember, when, remember when we begin this relationship and you agreed to these things, like keep your vows in these areas. And then he says, hey, if you do that, I will come through. I'm going to rescue you. And then you're going to give me glory in the moment that I do that. Um, there's a good friend of ours that, that's part of our church family that was sharing a great story about this passage of scripture um, a, a few years ago. And he was telling me that there's a school out in Dallas, Dallas Theological Seminary. It started in like 1924. And it's just kind of a fledgling Bible college, but just like a lot of things that start in its infancy, um, you know, it was real tight. Finances were tight. And so, uh, so the creditors came and were like, yo, we, we got to pay some bills. You know what I mean? So they're going to they're gonna, uh, close them down and they were headed into bankruptcy. And the guy who's the president at the time brought all the faculty and staff together in the office space and said, we have to pray. Because if God doesn't provide, if there's no provision, we literally, like, we know that God's put this dream in our heart. We know this is what he wants us to do, but there's literally nothing more that we can do. We got to pray. So they start praying, and there's a guy who's a lecturer at the school, and his name was Harry Ironside. And Harry, he said this in just kind of true Ironside fashion. He said, Lord, we know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. God, sell some of that cattle and give us the money in Jesus' name. And so, like, he was, he was dead serious. And so uh, what's wild about that story is that while that's happening, there's a guy who's a cattle rancher. (laughs) Crazy story. Cattle rancher who's a businessman, and he had a deal go down in Fort Worth, and the deal didn't go through. He had this check uh, where he had sold his cattle. And so he goes, he said, I just felt impressed. He goes by the seminary, goes by the business office and said, I have no idea. I just feel impressed. This is what I'm supposed to do with this money. I'm giving this check to the school. I don't know if you need it or don't need it. And it was for the exact amount for the debt owed. And so the lady brings it to the office, brings it to the president. He looks at Harry, who's, who'd been praying. He was like, Harry, God sold some of that cattle, okay? So we good. Like, but, but it's so good. When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you were at the end of yourself? You need a provision. You need a breakthrough. You need a God to do something. And you, you were just like, this is the only way it's going to work. And then God comes through. Brooke and I have had stories like that um, in our life over the past many years of just doing what we're doing, just faithfully going, there's some, there's actually more than I would like coming to the end of ourselves and going, we don't really know how you're going to do this. And then he, and then he provides there's provision. But what he teaches us in his word is like, Hey, if you will express gratitude, if you'll stop and realize that I'm the source and I own it all, and there ain't really nothing you can do anyway that I don't already own and express gratitude for me. And you keep your vows and your promises. You're obedient. I will rescue you. I will come through. I will provide. And then I'll get glory as a result of doing that. So um, this is where God wants us to be. It's what he wants for us. He wants us to just trust him, to depend on him in every area of our life. Some of us, it's not money. Some of it's our marriage. Some of us, it's not money. Some of us, it is our vocation, right? It's our career path or it's our children or it's fill in the blank. But we need to trust him with every area. 
and then be faithful and obedient so that in our obedience, we're given over to more. This is first Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. King David says, he praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestry, Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. And then he says this, everything in the heavens and the earth is yours. And this is your kingdom. Here's the guy, top brass, he's in charge. And he's like, none of this is mine. This is all yours. We adore you as the one who is over all things, wealth and honor. They come from you alone. I'm not that smart. I'm not that awesome. I'm not that good, God. You created this moment. Honor and wealth, all that comes from you alone. You rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. And David recognizes, hey, listen, if there's any greatness, if there's anything in me worthy of praise, if there's anything in me that, that requires a, a, a platform or an opportunity or people like, he said, I'm just redirecting all that energy. I know the source. I know where it came from. It ain't from me. Our God, we thank you when we praise your glorious name. And then he says this, who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. There's this revelation that David has where he goes, wait a minute. Everything that we do is really only in response for what you've done for us. Right? And so if we love God, it's because he first loved us. If we're gracious, it's because we've been on the receiving end of grace. If we're generous, it's because we've received his radical generosity. Everything, every good and perfect gift in your life, everything awesome is a gift. Sunrise this morning, you got a house. You made some coffee. Hello, made some coffee. I drove in a car here, needs a new transmission, but it got here in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Like all the things are really just a grace on your life, really just an opportunity. Uh, David takes his time to just do inventory and be like, man, everything is of God. Everything belongs to God. And when we realize that everything in our lives was given to us, uh, we don't grieve or feel regret or sadness when God asks us to live open-handed. When he says, hey, will you just let go of this thing? And you're like, I can't let go of that thing. And he's like, you don't understand. I gave you that thing. I know where there's more. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, trust me. Do you trust me? It's easy to be generous when you see yourself as a steward and not an owner. So several things in this passage. First thing is this. Realizing that everything belongs to God, it actually makes us more grateful. Makes us more grateful. One, I didn't do anything to get to where I'm at. Every good and perfect gift, every blessing in my life, my wife, my children, what God's, the purpose and the call on my life, the resources, my relationships, my friends, my context, my health, the fact that I'm breathing right now, like all that, like everything is a gift and it's a moment to steward. And so taking note of all the things, I'm gonna tell you one of the best practices you can do is just taking note of like all the awesome things that's happening in your life. Right, live in a place of gratitude. Live in a, a place of praise. That's what we're doing this morning too. When we come, we're just like, man, God, you're awesome, and you deserve this moment. Not so that we can get in a room, not so that we can just, um, you know, go through religious rhythms, but just be able to have a moment to express gratitude and praise for who He is. It makes us grateful. And so the second thing is that realizing that everything belongs to God, it makes me operate out of abundance. So not only does it make me grateful, it also makes me operate out of abundance because he's the source. I'm not the source. So I don't, even when I don't have very much, I know the source. That's the idea. So many of us, myself included, I sometimes operate out of a scarcity mindset, but he wants to hand me more and will do so based on how I steward what he's handed me to begin with. 
So all you have currently, right now in your life, here's the encouraging news. All you have to do all that God's called you to do, you, you already have it at your disposal. All you have is all you need to do the next thing that God wants you to do. And then in faithfulness and obedience to doing whatever that is, he hands you more. Not for your benefit, but for his glory is what he tells us in the passage. And so that's what stewardship looks like. Here's Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite Bible uh, teachers. Love this guy. Um, so he says, a steward is someone who possesses everything but owns nothing. I love that. So God calls us into stewardship. Your sons, your daughters, you got access to it all, but you don't own any of it. And so I'm choosing on faith to be obedient and grow in my obedience in this area, to believe that God owns it all. And that makes me excited when I think about what he wants to do in and through, through me. I don't need to operate out of a scarcity mindset. And, and scarcity mindset is we don't have enough. We're never going to have enough. I got to hoard. We got to plan. We got to do it. And I'm not saying don't have a budget. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm just saying sometimes God will say, hey, I want you to step out of your comfort zone, live in an open-handed way. There's an opportunity for you to bless a family with a meal. There's an opportunity for you to pay somebody's light bill. There's an opportunity for you to pull over on the side of the road and help this brother. Hey, listen, also one of the things we're going to talk about, there's an opportunity for you to give regularly. There's an opportunity for you to give sacrificially. I want you to live in a way that when I ask you to do what I ask you to do, you're willing to go, none of it was mine. Okay. And then trust him with the results of what takes place. Live in a place of abundance. And it makes us think, man, uh, God is the source. I don't own any of it. Here's what second Corinthians nine, six through eight says. Paul gives us commentary. He says, who, remember this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, th- one of the things that we say as a church is our value is that generosity is our joy because we give to what we love. So we set a culture here that we want you to give as an act of worship. We want you to give as an act of gratitude, not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, not because your buddy next to you put a 20 in the plate. And so we, it's just, just worship. So it's like not, not because I have to, but because I get to. We, want to. we get to give, we don't give to get. So it's not a, it's not a prosperity gospel. As if, if I get, God will bless me financially or whatever, and I'll have three houses. And like, that's not the way. It's just I get to do this. I get to be a conduit of his grace and I get to serve him, and I get to love him, and he hands me over to more, and he determines what abundance looks like in my life, and it always looks like more joy. It always looks like more peace. It always looks like, honestly, it looks like equity in, it, in other people's eternity, but it's not out of obligation. It's just because I get to do it. Paul goes on. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work, and so that's what abundance looks like. God's got it all, He's the source, makes me operate out of abundance. But realizing that everything belongs to God also makes it easier for me to return what's his. So makes me grateful, makes me think, man, I get to operate out of abundance. And also it makes it just easier when I get to return what's his to begin with. And so um, is there anyone, just to kind of make this come alive for everybody in the room, is there anybody today just out of raw conviction on the authority for preaching, you're just like, you know, right now in this moment, you'll give me a hundred dollar bill. You just give me a hundred dollars cash right now. Is there anybody in here? You got a hundred dollars cash. You just walk up and give me a hundred, just right wherever you're at, just walk up and give me a hundred dollars cash. Some of y'all are like, what is happening? You're so scared. Look, okay. All right, cool. Very awesome. Man of God, let's go. All right. So hundred dollars cash. Yeah. Y'all give it up. Yeah. Look at there. 
Now, why did he give me this $100 cash? He gave me this $100 cash because before service, I handed him this, and I said, at the right time, I want you to come up and hand me this $100 cash, right? And so, and the, and the principle is this. It's just a lot easier um, to be open-handed. It's a lot easier to give away what we see is not ours to begin with. How much easier is it to spend somebody else's money? Have you ever been, have you ever been in, a, in a position at work or somewhere else or somewhere was like, hey, will you plan my vacation? You're like, yes, I will spend all your money. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it feels so, it's like freeing. You're not worried. There's no scarcity mindset. And the same thing is true when it comes to this principle is like, hey, when I think, okay, if the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything that I see is his. And he's asking me to be faithful in this specific area to do this thing in this moment. I'm not worried that I don't have enough. And, and I begin to think, what am I missing out on just by not being faithful in this moment? So it just changes the way that I view things. That's what he desires for us. Make it easier to return what's his to begin with. And so everything belongs to him, according to the scripture. But also the tithe belongs to God. And so depending on how you grew up in church, depending on what you brought into the room or what you've heard taught on this, some of you are like, oh, are we for real? It's Mother's Day, my man. What's happening? Or I brought a friend. I'm so sorry. He never talks about it. I'm so sorry. Like, or you're just like trying to figure out like your escape route. Like, but just calm down. I'm just going to get the, all this is the service today. Truth and grace, right? So got grace in spades. God has grace for us. But also he has truth in his word that'll teach us some things about where our heart's at and what we want. So the word tithe is uh, it's a biblical word. It's a Hebrew word that means 10th. So that's the reason why you hear, the, you hear kind of a 10% uh, reference is because the word literally means 10% is what it's a reference to. Um, but a definition for it is tithe is returning 10% to God through your local church, which allows him to bless the rest. Now, depending on who you ask, people will look at this path, people will look at that definition and, and kind of like work through it biblically to go, okay, well, what about this scenario? What about this percentage? What about 23% in the Old Testament? What, you know, so I'm going to read some passages of scripture to make it come alive. Leviticus 2730. A tithe is uh, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Malachi 3.8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. This is God. But you ask, how are you robbing? How, how are we robbing you? And then he says, in tithes and offerings. And some of you are like, that's awesome. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. Um, hit me with something from the New Testament. Okay, good. So Matthew 23, Jesus is actually rebuking some, um, some scholars and some Pharisees, religious leaders, who were tithing, but they were also just pretty nasty. Like they were just, they, they weren't full of mercy or faithfulness and they lack justice. And he calls them out on their inconsistency. You do these religious things, but also uh, just your heart is wicked. So here's what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You've given a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, mercy, and faithfulness. And people will read that and go, there it is. Good. We got to focus on law and justice and mercy and faithfulness as if that's easier than, than tithing. But then if you read the, the rest of the passage, it says this, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And so Jesus in a new covenant context totally affirms the tithe because he's the, 
He's the fulfillment of the law. He doesn't come to abolish it. He comes to fulfill it. And he comes to do all the things that you and I could never do. And so um, for those of us who are in Christ, listen, if you've given your life to Jesus, God does not need you uh, to read your Bible. God does not need you to tithe. God does not need you to serve. God does not need you to love like, and, and serve around your neighborhood or do the things but in order to get in right relationship with him. Everything necessary for your salvation is only done in the, the faithfulness of Jesus. And then you and I live in the overflow of that. So if I serve and if I tithe and if I give and if I show up and if, I, if I'm involved and I'm trying to grow in my relationship with him, it's only out of what he's done for me not to try and get to a certain place. And that's what it means to be in that new. But the principle of, a new, the principle of tithe remains the same. You see it all throughout scripture. I'm doing a study right now, first five of the book, books of the Bible. I cannot tell you how many times it talks about giving God first put him first. I mean, he is over, he is a jealous God. He wants to be first. So it's like, if you look at the command, if you look at the commandments, have no other gods before me and every other commandment of scripture, even every other piece of the Mosaic law is really commentary to the first commandment. I'm top of the shelf. So it's not, I want to be on your list. It's, I want to be primary. I want to be first in that lineup. And so, um, and so this is what Exodus 13, 2 says, dedicate to me the firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals. It belongs to me. Exodus 23, 19, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord, your God. And so um, is this principle of bringing your first, bringing your best, the primacy of Christ, putting God first in your life in all areas. Again, you can, you could get wrapped up in the finances side of things, but you could put Christ first in your marriage. You could put Christ first in all your relationships. You could put Christ first in your vocation. Let him call the shots. Where do I move? What opportunities do I take? Uh, what is my career path? What's my vocation? What have you called me to do? And then listen and, and place him first in all areas. But for finances, I just want to make it come alive again for us. So let's say, uh, let's say you have a job and you get paid $100, okay? You get paid $100 at your job, what do you do? First thing you do is you get a new job. But, but after that, you, but seriously, just for, for the sake of example, so you get paid $100, so there's, I'm gonna break it down into tens because we're talking tithing, we're talking tenth. So I got all these tens, okay? There's 10 tens. Now of all these tens, um, who owns all these tens? Hey, oh, let's go. You listened to my first point. Okay, good. All right, so he owns all these tens. Now, what is a tithe on these? One ten. One ten. I know it's real deep. It's real deep. It's real hard, okay? Now, of all these, uh, which one is the tithe? Is it the first one I lay down? Is it the one closest to me? Is it the, which one is it? It's the first one you spend. And the reason why is because it takes all kinds of trust all kinds of faith to go before I do anything else. Before I go to Publix, before I go to Aldi's, before I sign my kid up for that dance thing, before I go to the mall and buy them shoes, before I just, like, before I just give out of the, uh, uh, like the abundance or like whatever's off the top, like what, if I place in primary, that takes all kinds of faith because now I got 90% to work with and now I got to have faith that on 90%, he could do more with my 90% than if I had all the 100% and I was managing it by myself and in my own power and in my own, like, that's what tithing is. And so it's less even about, and the reason why it's 10% is because that's, tithe means 10, but, but more about where you place him, more about trust, 
more about placing in primary. And you and I tithe all the time. You tithe to your mortgage. You tithe to the credit card bill. Okay. Like I automate that junk. You automate your lighting. I like my lights. I want my electricity to work. Automate that thing. Like we just, we tie to all kinds of things. And then what happens if we're not careful is we go, oh, what we got left? We got left. Okay, cool. Listen, you know, and so the idea is where am I putting him in the order? That's what he teaches us in scripture. Am I putting him primary? Am I putting him first? Um, and so give first or give off the top. And the crazy thing, and this is what we see, this is what he taught us earlier when we read through the first passage that we read through in Psalms 50. God says, I don't need your bulls, bro. I'm good. I don't need your goats. I want your gratitude. I want your, and here's what I think he's saying in this passage and what I know he's, based on my own experience, is a joke to think that God needs my 10% of what I make. Like he can't accomplish his will without, like if I don't give him my 10%, it's ruined. Kingdom's not gonna grow. Church ain't, like people, like that's crazy. But, but what he wants in that moment is he wants my gratitude. He wants me to keep my vow. He wants my obedience. He wants my heart is what he wants. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Jesus said, you want to know what you love? Follow the money. Pull that banking statement up. Gives you a nice pie chart of what you love. Oh, I really love, I really love coffee. I love coffee. I love coffee way too much, but, but it'll just tell you what you love. Anybody who's sent this graduation season, give it up for all the grads in the house. We got any grads in the house? Come on, show some love for all of our grads. We're going to celebrate grads. Um, in a few weeks, we have graduation Sunday, sign up online. Anyway, shameless plug, but graduation season, anybody who's ever sent their kids to a college, um, you know, this, because over time, even if you didn't even know anything about that college or like that college to begin with, after about four years of making payments, come on, you love that college. You got that bumper sticker, got that thermos, got that hoodie, spent about 50 grand to love that college. You know what I mean? Where your treasure is, your heart. And this is, and this is a principle that applies to relationships. I'm going to help you out if you're struggling with the money talk. Uh, same thing's true for relationships. So if you want your marriage to get better, what do you do? You invest in it. You in a relationship with your kid to get better, what do you do? You invest in it. I mean, if, if you want your career to get better, what do you do? I mean, it's, it's it, and so he tells us, hey, where, where your treasure is, your heart will be. He doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. He says where your treasure will be, your heart will be. So even when you don't feel like it, and a lot of us, if we're being real, we don't feel like it. I don't want to be generous all the time. I don't want to help people all the time. He asks me to do something sometimes, and I just say no. I'll give you an example. Um, we actually tithe your tithes as a church. So we believe in it that we'd say, you know what? We want to take the percentage. We want, we want to give to the local community, outreach, missional efforts, partners around the world, all that. We get an opportunity to do that. And there's a, a long list of people that we support. But just this past month, for example, a couple things we did. Um, we, had, uh, we had a night where youth got together and we partnered with Convoy of Hope and they do hygiene kits, and we spent like $4,200, um, and we just said, let's just tie the tithe, and let's build, let's build this thing where we get to supply hundreds of people with hygiene kits, and between what's happening in Ukraine and just some other parts of the world, people need that. It's a real blessing. 
they partner it with the gospel. Somebody prays with them. Somebody works with them. And uh, it's a real resource for people. So it's like, let's partner with them. That's great. Um, another thing that God hit us with this past month was Brooke and I were at uh, a church conference with just like-minded churches, really church family, people from different parts of the country, and ran into a couple that, um, that I'd met. I'd met him two years ago at, at another little gathering of pastors down in Alabama. And uh, when I met him two years ago, I got to hear his story. He pastors a church called Discovery Church in Philadelphia, and Mark and, and Monica Poland, and, uh, and Mark at the time, we were in this little gathering of people, and people were talking about uh, this is right, you know, COVID had, had happened and this is a few months after COVID had hit. And so people are just talking about the, like how all that looks now and the reality that we're in. Mark and, and Monica had lost their church. There's like 500 some people came to church the first day, in March of that year, March 1. Uh, they had 40 some people, 50 some people come to faith in Christ the first Sunday. And he was like, let's go. Week two, COVID. He's in a high school. And they're like, just go online. He's like, I don't have online, my man. Like I'm a church, I don't have video equipment in a studio. And you know, so he's trying to creatively go, how do I honor God? How do I be faithful? I know you called me to do this thing. How in the world am I gonna pull this off given all that's going on around me? So we're in this environment. And uh, one of the guys who leads like massive church and this church has all kinds of resources. Here's his story. Uh, Mark's wife's a principal at a school in Philadelphia. And, and he was bivocational, so he was working a really full-time job. And then, and then uh, the church was supporting him some financially, but it was just, he was a young church. So, uh, and one of the pastors with the resources at that church, he looks at him, he's like, you're not bi- bivocational anymore, you're good. And I was like, you can do that. I was like so weirded out by that moment. Like the generosity, like the, the means and the margin that that church had to be able to just be like, you're good, my man. We, we got you covered and we're going we're gonna to create a covering for you so you don't have to sweat or think about that, but you can focus solely on reaching people and building the kingdom. And in that moment, I talked through two things. Uh, I thought, I could not believe that, he, like, that God did that in that moment. And then I also thought, I was real close to being like, yo, we need a building. You know what I mean? Like, I like, just like, also, we need a building. You know, like, um, but I didn't do it. But in my flesh, I wanted to. I was like, um, anyway, so, so we're listening to this and I hear, I hear people want equity in what Mark's doing. And I said, man, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Hey, as Soma, you're never going to meet these people in Philadelphia, but it would just be so great if you would partner with Mark and, and help, help him reach people in Philadelphia. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I even said it out loud to somebody who was there. I was like, Hey, we, we want to do that. We want to do that. So I'm being real vulnerable now. I'm just going to tell you, tell you my business, but then I never did it. So I said a thing and I wanted to do the thing. And, and just like I started off, like I was a hearer of the word, not a doer. And, and just uh, what happened was I just missed out. And by default, we all missed out. Fast forward, we see him at conference um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, and um, felt God tell me, hey, I want you to give double what you were gonna do last time. And so like, uh, so because of your tithing, we were able to sow into like people that you'll never even meet in Philadelphia, $5,000 $5, you guys gave to help this church in Philadelphia. And here's the best part. They don't even know you gave it. 
I was like, hey, we did it kind of like weird and behind the scenes or whatever. And we're like, we funneled it, you know, through Ark and just said, hey, you guys give it. We don't, but they don't, Mark and Monica, they have no idea. So just going to bless people and then see people come to faith in Christ, see kingdom expanded, see his church. And only because he told me to do it. That's really it. God tells you to do a thing. I'm obedient with what he gives me. I trust that everything belongs to him. I trust that the tithe belongs to him. I want to put him first in my life, but also, and here's my last point for the day. I, I trust that we belong to God. We belong to God. So everything you see, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to him. Bible teaches us, hey, there is a biblical principle of tithing, not a legal requirement, a biblical principle of tithing that you put him first in your life in this area and he will bless it. And then also we belong to God. And so uh, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. What was that price? John three sixteen. for this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, you were bought with a high price. I was bought with a high price. Those of us who are in Christ, listen, man, you need that moment. That's the moment of salvation is when you realize you were bought with a high price. Everything necessary for your life change and for my life change and to really experience the fullness of all that God has, has already been done. It was done 2,000 years ago. And the moment of your salvation is the moment you surrender to that truth and you just say, Lord, you lead me. I see your life, I see your death, I see your resurrection, but also I need you to lead me in some areas of my life that I got some blind spots and I've just kind of taken on what broader culture says or what I was shaped in because of my context or whatever the case may be. But I want your grace, I also want your truth. Because you want all of it. It's not like I, it's not like I only desire grace and I don't desire to grow in truth. So I, what happens is I just miss out. I miss out. And the Bible tells me that he wants more than I could ask or imagine. Why would I not sign up for that? And he doesn't want just a part of you. So some of us, we do a great job of handing, handing him majority of our lives, but there may be one relationship. We're like, no, nah, I'm good. I want that. I'm gonna hold on to that. I like that. I like that relationship. Or I like, I like this part of my work. I know, I, know that, I know this really doesn't honor you. I know this probably isn't great. I know this is not, but I, I'd like that, right? I, I, certain life experience, whatever the case may be, you pick your own idol, but there's certain things that we hold a little bit too tightly to, and we don't, we don't live life this way. We'll say, you know what, Sunday, boom, Lord, have my Sunday. Group night, hey, let's go. I'll make a crock pot meal. You know what I mean? We go into, we, but like there's certain relationships, certain things that you do with your day. There's things that you steward in your day. He's like, please stop watching 15 hours of Netflix. Please. I'm not down on Netflix. I'm just saying, seriously, we're talking stewardship. What are we doing with this? What are we doing with our moments? What are we doing with our relationships? What are we doing with our resources? And he goes, if you'll steward it, I'll give you more. I, I'll hand you more. Not for your benefit, but before my glory. I'm going to give you over to more so that you can make a greater impact and you can expand my kingdom. Romans 12.1. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing him. This is the true worship 
that you should offer. Some of us are frustrated with the Christian life because you are doing things. You're just doing things. You're showing up at an event. You're registering for a thing. You're signing up. And all those are vehicles. Really, it's a means to an end, which is a growing relationship with Jesus. But you have to come to a place that you want to go all in. And I know we're talking about giving, but it applies to every part of who you are. Go all in and just say, I surrender my life. You want to grow in Jesus? You want to look more like him? Stop feeling like you have to manage all the things or control all the things and say, you can have this part of me, but you can't have all of me. He wants all of you. He wants to redeem every part of you. He gave you a mind so that you can read his word, read his scripture, read his character, his promises, read his life story so that you could pray to him, so you could ask him questions. He's not worried about if you have doubt, if you have frustrations, if you have insecurities, if you have baggage, he knows all that junk. He just wants you to bring it to him. Bring it to him. He wants all of it every bit of it. And then when he gives you over to resources, he wants you to trust him with what he's given you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Because he tells us, hey, listen, I will bless you. I will bless you if you obey what I've said. It just, it's a promise that if you run the play, and I'm not telling, I'm telling you that based off my experience. I'm also telling you that just based solely off of his word, which ought to be enough. But sometimes it's not. We always need a story. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories in this room. Trust him and obey. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this morning. Everybody in the room, God, you know what we need. You know our concerns. You know our struggles. You know our our predispositions to sin. You know our temptations. And you were tempted in every way, and yet you were without sin. You know our pain and our suffering and our hurt and our loss, and especially on a day like today. God, there are people in the room who have lost. There's people in the room who have suffered. There's people in the room who have gone through hard things, and yet you went through all that we experienced this side of eternity. The Bible tells us you experienced all of that. Betrayal and denial and physical pain and loss of loved ones. All the things that we go through, you experienced. And we have in you a high priest who can empathize with our pain and our suffering and and even understand what it means to be human. So in our sin and in our brokenness, God, you're not judging us or mad at us or angry with us, but you just desire for us to come home. You just desire more for us. And so in your faithfulness and in your grace and in your mercy, you extend an offer to obey and trust you in all areas including our finances. God, what would it look like to trust you in this area of our life and to know that ultimately you are the source of everything. You own it all. Help us to just stop playing ourselves and thinking that we have some, like we can take it with us or we actually own, we don't own it. You own it. You let us steward it. And so help us to be good stewards so that you can give us over to uh, more influence and more impact and more lives changed and more hope for the people around us, more love, more generosity. Help us to be a conduit of your great grace. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never fully surrendered your life. And I know we're talking tithing. This is a money talk, but I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can meet you at any space, 
any place and just wreck your world in the best possible way. Jesus just shows up and you can't help but surrender your life to him. It's just a moment where the Holy Spirit reveals him to you. So I'm hopeful in this moment that some of, somebody in this room, you're just ready to surrender your life to him. Go all in, not play games, not go through religious things, not, not check boxes, but fully surrender your life to Jesus. If you're here today and you would love an opportunity to confess him as Lord, I'd love to lead you in a prayer just right where you sit. I believe that Jesus already saved you 2,000 years ago. Prayer doesn't save you. This moment doesn't save you. But the moment that you actually place your faith and your trust in him, by his grace, he saves you. But the Bible talks about confession and how important it is. So I'd love to give you an opportunity to confess him as Lord. So right where you sit, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. But before I lead us, I would love to know who I'm leading, give you an opportunity to confess him just for you, not for the people around you. Right where you're at, just lift your hand and I wanna lead you in a prayer. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Just, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to go all in. Every single week, he saves people. Every single week, lives are surrendered, lives are laid down, and then they pick up the future hope of eternity and the abundant life of now. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry I've made it about me. I'm sorry I've been selfish. I'm sorry I've wanted my own way. And God, in this moment, you have humbled me because I see you and I can't help but fall in love with you. And I also can't help but just give everything over to you because I trust you with my future and I trust you with my now and I trust you with my relationships. God, I trust you with my kids and I trust you with my marriage and I trust you with where you're gonna take me in my career and I trust you with every material possession and I trust you with my resources, with my money. Help me to place you first. Give you over to the premise. I I wanna operate out of a mindset that God, you are first in every area of my life and you have to lead me in that because I'm broken, I'm human, and I need it. And I'm gonna fall down, but you're gonna pick me back up in your grace. And so I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that God, you would just reach people in this moment, stir some hearts for you. God, give us over to the courage of conviction. Help us to run this play well. Help us to steward all that you've handed us. Thank thank you so much. You've given us so much and you desire even more for us. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.